Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Out of Bounce. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's going on? Oh, doing great, doing great. We also have Christian Ernst. What's up, y'all? Glad to have you back on this episode. No, we, we did two episodes last week, if you missed it. Uh, Christian was on our draft special, as always. Uh, but then we decided to do a little bit of a sports update last week. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're glad to have you back, Christian. And it's good to be back. Sorry I missed it. I uh, had to do a little, you know, personal matter. Had to go on a little vacation. So, yeah, I had to miss the last episode, which was awesome. You know, everyone talking, you know, NBA stuff. And it's, you know, tremendous of your debates about um, comeback player of the year. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it – oh, no, it wasn't comeback. It was six man. Um, but e- either way. It's still amazing to be back, and the draft just happened, and I'm even more excited. Yeah, let's just, you know, dive right into our draft recap for uh, this past year. So how it's going to go for the audience at home. We're going to start with all of us just recapping our favorite teams. So if you don't enjoy that, you could fast forward a bit, although I think you should stick around. And then we'll do an overall recap of the rest of the draft, what picks we like, what picks we think was a bit of a reach, uh, and then, like, overall draft classes that we enjoyed and we just didn't think was, you know, the overall, again, draft grades, kind of ridiculous in the moment. Um, but that's just what we do to, you know, give some content here. So we'll start, I'll start off with our favorite team segment, New England Patriots. Again, I think they had a fine draft class. Uh, we were watching the draft, Christian and I, we had Dalton on FaceTime because he was still down in Austin at, at the time. And... New England came on the clock at 14, and I was like, give me Jackson Smith and Jigbo was the guy I really wanted, and I was chained that. But Christian Gonzalez was a close second that if we had taken CG at 14, I would have been very thrilled with that. We trade back three picks with the Steelers. They go up, get Broderick Jones, which I would have liked to have had him here. But it was hilarious because the Jets had the next pick, and they were prevented from taking a left tackle to protect Aaron Rodgers' blind side. So then a few picks later... Both of the guys I really like are on the board. And I'll give credit to our co-host Christian here. About a couple weeks ago when the, he broke down the AFC and NFC East, he said, hey, Patriots, I think Christian Gonzalez be a great fit here at 14. And I famously said, I like that pick a lot. I just don't think he'll be available at 14. Because uh, a lot of mocks I've been reading just have this guy as like a top 10 pick, surefire cornerback one, cornerback two range with Witherspoons. It was going to be one of those two picks gets. And I thought they were both going to be top 10, or sure as hell top 13. Um, so the fact that England was able to trade back, get some more picks, and take Gonzalez at 17, absolutely love that pick. And that is also my favorite uh, draft pick that New England had this year was Christian Gonzalez. Um, the rest of the draft, kind of as expected, you get uh, Keon White from Georgia Tech, who's a very good defensive end, gave him the second round. Uh, Marte Marpu from Sacramento State. Again, not very familiar with his game, FCS level. Um, again, I mean, I've, I've watched a, maybe a game or two because they were in the playoffs, but I'm not focusing on defensive players in that game necessarily. And he's projected inside linebacker, but he apparently is very versatile and can play safety. So, and again, Belichick likes to explore versatility, so I'm excited to see what they use there. Jake Andrews, a center, no relation to current center David Andrews. Um, could he be the replacement? We'll see down the line, but a fourth-round pick nonetheless. 
it is what it is. I'm not excited or disappointed with the pick. It's just it's a fourth round lineman. It's I'm not the old line guru, so I don't get super excited with guys like that. Uh, then you had Chad Ryland in the fourth round as well, the kicker. They traded up to get him actually. Um, again, he was one or two, depending on who you look at, between him and uh, Moody, Jake Moody from um, Michigan. But you get Chad Ryland from Maryland. Again, not he's a kicker. He's going to play because Nick Folk, even though he's under contract, he's definitely on the downside of his career. And I think you, you got to go get younger. So I'm. I don't care with that pick. I think you're an objective specialist uh, in that fourth or fifth round range, so I'm okay with that. City Sal, offensive guard from Eastern Michigan, not super familiar with this game either. I watched a couple film, some highlights. But again, they're highlights, so they're not going to showcase anything negative of this guy. Uh, Antonio Malfi, the UCLA, another offensive guard, New England double dipping there. Again, I'm fine with the picks there because, again, you're just taking players to take players at that point that you think can maybe contribute. Another pick that I really love is a uh, six-round receiver, Kayshawn Booty from LSU. Uh, he was fantastic just a few years ago. And the fact that he slipped to the sixth round, again, some say, like, maturity issues, behavioral issues, um, which, again, if that is the reason he fell to the sixth round, then, uh, again, hopefully he matures because the NFL is going to eat him up if that's the case. But as a six-round pick, I-, I love that a lot. I think if he reaches his max potential – He's going to be a very solid piece for New England this year and in the future. And they've had some success drafting late-round receivers, uh, notably Julian Edelman, although he was a quarterback move receiver, taking the seventh round. But Edelman was very successful, and they've had others, I'm sure, as well. Um, Bryce Berger in the sixth round, a punter from Michigan State. Again, I was kind of expecting a punter after the whole uh, Jake Bailey debacle because Bailey was really good for a couple years. And then... He just, the last year, just kind of, you know, was not very good. Was injured, suspended late in the year, so they just kind of cut him and cut ties with that. So, again, I was expecting a kicker and a punter to be taken a little bit. Uh, the first team since the Raiders in 2000, when they took Janikowski, and I am forget the punter, but they took a they, Janikowski in the first round, which is ridiculous. Uh, but the Raiders, the last team to take a quarter, a kicker and a punter in the NFL draft the same year. Uh, DeMario Douglas in the sixth round receiver from Liberty. Not super familiar with his game that much, but again, highlights looks really good. Can play special teams a bit, so uh, kind of excited to see what that happens there. A pick that just based on the little bit of film I did have seen, didn't really care for. Amir Speed. I, I started watching a few highlights from him. Uh, it just seems like he gives up the catch a lot. Again, good tackler, but he also like he's not that good at breaking the ball from what I've seen so far. Yeah, not gonna act like an expert. And he's a little bit of a cop-out. I said my least favorite pick is he's a six-round pick that may or may not make the team. Um, if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. Um, like last year, I didn't care for the new Tyquan Thornton pick. Um, and that was a second-round pick. So, Amir Speed, my least favorite pick of this year's draft. And then rounding out in the seventh round, Isaiah Bolden, the only player from HBCU drafted, played for uh, Coach Prime at Jackson State. Is a cornerback listed, but he also does special teams. Uh, work two on the return game. So again, two two guys that can be really good returners, uh, going forward. So overall, I'm okay. I'm a, I like this class a lot. Gonzalez, like I said to start off, was a home run pick there, and I think he's gonna have a very bright future. In New England, he's a little bit taller than the other corners we have on the roster. He's six two. A lot of our corners under five ten. Um, so he can match up with 
you know, taller receivers in the league. So Gonzalez for my favorite pick and my least favorite pick, Amir Speed, uh, to summarize that up. Uh, let's go Dalton next here. Uh, your L.A. Rams, uh, what was your overall thoughts on the draft class? Um, and, you know, favorite pick, least favorite pick, just uh, the floor is yours. Take it how you want. Okay, sure. Thanks, Spence. Um, I think, you know, for what they had, um, one second, a couple thirds, a fourth, a bunch of fifth round picks, six round sevenths. Um, it was it was okay. I think there were also probably a few reaches here and there. Um, my favorite pick, I guess my favorite, or I think, I think basically some of these were just off need. So like, for example, the Rams offensive line was awful last year. So last season they, they had uh, three different offensive line, uh, excuse me, 13 different offensive line combinations, which was at, at some point in the season, which was by far the most from, uh, for, for like, for like any team. And so what they did with their first pick is they went and got, um, according to the rankings, the quote-unquote professionals, the quote-unquote experts on mock drafts, um, they went and got Steve Avila, who went to TCU. Um, Saw him play in person, and they just absolutely obliterated Texas on the ground um, in terms of running the ball. So I think that's that's a good pick. I I, am totally expecting – Avila to start at the guard position. Um, and also the Rams lost some offensive line pieces over free agency, and they went to other teams. So I think that was a good pick and a, a need for them. Um, another pick I would say, I think this is a little bit – I am I guess I'm I'm good with who they selected, but when they selected him is this something that I just don't like. They took Stetson Bennett, and – I think they could have gotten him later, but they took him in the fourth round. So be it. Um, I think that was also a need because at the time, Matthew Stafford was the only quarterback on the roster. So, say uh, the quarterback from Georgia, they're going to have a Georgia quarterback room. So, great. And then I think the last pick that I that I definitely like um, and I didn't realize this either. So they drafted. So the Rams drafted in the sixth round. Um, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, the cornerback from TCU, um, 23 years old. And, you know, I, I, I actually did a little bit of research and I'm pretty sure you'll figure it out. But I think it's like. He's Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew or something like that. So I think, you know, having family that's already played in the league, that's going to be huge. And I hope Tomlinson works out. Like, I hope he is a starting corner for us. He's only 5'9", so I'm no expert with football, but I would have to take a educated guess that he would most likely be in the slot. And so I hope that he works out. Um, let me see what other – let me see what other picks I – do or don't like um i think probably one that i was very confused with um is that i think i was talking i was talking with christian a little bit like this off the off the air um but they took davis allen a backup tight end from clemson in the fifth round um don't really understand that and then 
they reached for Kobe Turner. I, on draft day, I was talking to you all about this. And I, Christian, I don't, I don't want him to quote what he, what one of, what's what uh, somebody he knows said about Kobe Turner, but uh, I thought that was a massive reach. Uh, yeah, some of these, there's some reaches sprinkled in. Um, I, the only reason I know about this draft pick, O'Shawn Mathis, is because Texas was on his, um, board when he was transferring from uh, TCU, if I'm not mistaken, from uh, before last college season started. Then they drafted him, and uh, the Rams drafted him in the sixth round. So I, I mean, whatever, whatever, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, those are probably the couple that I'm just like kind of head scratchers for me. Um, but And I think one more, one more that I actually do like, uh, Zach Evans from Old Miss. Uh, I think he'll add to the to the running back to the running back room, and uh, it should be should be an interesting running back room, especially after they went and got or um, not went and got, but Mike Lafleur from uh, the Jets uh, really likes to run the ball, and I think that's something that the Rams need for this upcoming season is to run the ball a little bit more. Um, so I like that selection as well. So, uh, what was your favorite draft pick by the Rams this past year? Favorite draft pick was uh, well. I mean, I guess if I had to choose one, because I think there were some of these were that I liked. Um, probably, probably uh, Steve Avila. Probably, yeah. Right. I would have to go with him. All right. Uh, to Christian, we go. Christian, how was the uh, the Packers draft class this year? Well, the Packers draft class is loaded. It is it, like every single need that you think Green Bay could go after, they did. They went after wide receiver. They went after running back. They went after defense. They went after secondary. They didn't go after a linebacker, quote unquote, when some of these guys could be more of a linebacker player. But we started off with the 13th overall pick after we traded away Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. And. I, I'm not the fan of the pick. The player I like, and he's kind of the Anthony Richardson of defensive ends, where very talented, very raw, didn't start at all. Like, he did not start at all for Iowa. He was just a rotational player, a very good rotational player. But Lucas Van Ness was the first Green Bay draft choice, which I was not a fan of. I would have much rather see. Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison. I don't honestly see Zay Flowers. I see small Zay Flowers on the green in the Green Bay uniform before Lucas Van Ness. So wasn't big fan of the pick. We'll see how he does. Trying to get more pass rush on that defense after losing to Darius Smith. And we really lost that when he went to Minnesota. But hopefully we get something back with Lucas. And then night two, we just went, okay. We're just going to draft the offense strictly. We got Luke Musgrave with the first second round pick. Then we went after Jaden Reed. I like the Luke pick. Wasn't the biggest fan of the Jaden pick because Jalen Hyatt, who I have been very high on, he uh, went to New York Giants in the third round where I thought we could have picked him up then. But I digress. I think Jalen is a very good receiver. Jaden Reed, one of the big things with him is that 
he did really well for bad quarterback play at Michigan State, and and last year was not a really good season for them. So he was a high bright spot for Michigan State. Another player they drafted on day two was Tucker Kraft, who is South Dakota State. You know, you always hear about the North Dakota State guy. South Dakota State with Tucker Kraft, a lot speedier. He's going to be the real receiving tight end for Green Bay this year, Luke Musgrave. He could, but Tucker's going to be that more flashy tight end that we see when we, when he plays on Sunday. Day four, or day four, day three and round four, we started off with Kobe Wooden, who I liked him, you know, defensive tackle out of Auburn. You know, he's a big dude, 6'4", 273, uh, really good at shedding blocks. He gets blown off a little bit off the ball, the highlights I've seen, but he's able to read and redirect and make the tackle. So I think that's a really good pick. A guy who wasn't even on ESPN's board of top quarterback prospects, Sean Clifford is the new backup quarterback for Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers at Penn State, who absolutely lit up Utah. Um, Sean Clifford is a very good quarterback. He beat out, you know, a second-round draft pick out of uh, Kentucky and Will Levis, but I digress. Sean Clifford coming to the Green Bay Packers. He had to watch, um, and I saw a clip of it, he watched him being selected in like a schoolroom, it looked like, with a tiny projector. Um, so he wasn't even like at home or anything, enjoying with his family. He's a Green Bay Packer, which is awesome. Another picks they have, Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia. By the way, and I looked this up, when they played against the University of Louisville, which was a very interesting game during that week. Dontavian was the only one who had their catch. He, he was the only one that had a receiving touchdown against us. So he was the second top receiver at Virginia. And obviously um, the season was cut short due to the horrific uh, incident that happened with a former player killing three players. So hopefully Dontavian can play with those guys and really honor the Virginia legacy over there. Uh, other guys they got, Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green, Carrington Valentine, who uh, ESPN really liked him coming out of Kentucky. We got him in the seventh round, so hopefully he can be a rotation guy in the secondary. Uh, Lou Nichols out of Central Michigan. Anthony Johnson Jr., I would like, I would better like Anthony Johnson from Anthony Johnson III, who was at Virginia safety because he did play at the University of Louisville, and he was a freak there. He was a freak against us, but we got the Iowa State safety instead. And we got a kicker in Andre Carlson out of Auburn, who was like 72% all-time with Auburn. So, eh, it's going to be interesting. So, the pick I like the most out of everything, I really do like Tucker Craft. I put him number three on my board behind um, Michael and Dalton. So, Tucker is a really up-and-up prospect, and I cannot wait to watch him. And the one I'm not – I'm not – I don't hate him, but I'm disappointed. What I mentioned earlier, Lucas Van Ness, I do not think he should have been the pick at number 13. If we got a better pass rusher towards the end, I don't have the second round available to me of, like, who everyone was picked. But – I think there were a couple of guys that probably could have been better 
in that spot if we went if we waited to the second round. And actually, now that I pulled it up, Keon White, if we picked up Keon <laughs> before we picked up uh, Luke, I think that would have been awesome, picking up a guy at Georgia Tech who I was really high on. So, you know, hopefully Lucas proves me wrong, which he probably will. But that's the one pick that I'm not the happiest with with the Green Bay Packers. All right. So that will recap our favorite team uh, segment of this year's NFL draft. On to the other team recap here. And again, if I, it, the, so we can pick each other's favorite teams. We just cannot pick our own favorite teams for the remaining categories. Just kind of want to give it, give some love to the other draft classes out there. Um, favorite draft pick by another team. Uh, for me, there's a few out there, but the one I'll highlight is um, Zay Flowers going to Baltimore on the day, which we didn't even mention this, uh, but Lamar Jackson gets that big contract right before the draft, a few hours before the draft. And then on draft day, they add him a receiver and they go out and they get Zay Flowers out of Boston College. The one bright spot in the otherwise very uh, dismal Boston College team. Um, it's not very good, but Zay Flowers was the go-to guy all season long um, for the Eagles. And I would have loved if he had stayed up in New England and they had drafted him. Unfortunately, that was not meant to be. But yeah, fifth season with 12 touchdowns here. And um, overall, that's my favorite pick, um, Zay Flowers. To Dalton we go here. Dalton, your favorite draft pick by another team this year. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go a little bit later. Uh, I like Hendon Hooker to the Detroit Lions. Um, I just, you know, I just thought, you know, for the future, I think it was a good selection by Brad Holmes and um, the Lions organization. Um, I really liked uh, Hendon Hooker. I was hoping that the Rams were going to draft him, but they didn't. So, yeah, happy for the Lions. Um, and, uh, yeah, really great. Uh, I think I'm going to add a one, one bonus one. I have to do this. I have to do this. Um, B. John Robinson to the Falcons. Um, good, good selection. Hook them horns. All right. Uh, Christian, your favorite pick by another team. Man, there's a bunch. Um, I would have to say my favorite pick, and I'm going to go Detroit again. I'm going to go Brian Branch out of Alabama. I think Brian Branch is one of the best safeties in the class, and the fact that he fell all the way to the middle second round is beyond me. How do you not go after a guy whose ceiling is super high? This dude is he, he's super reliable. He was one of their top secondary players at Alabama. And if you're a top player at Alabama, you should be a top player overall in the class. And Brian Branch really was the best secondary player for them. So Detroit game, Brian Branch, middle of the second round, when I think a lot of teams were looking at him. I think Green Bay was possibly even looking at him if he fell into that spot. Even though we have secondary galore, Brian Branch is something different. So I think Detroit, you know, really stole a couple of good players, including Dalton Tendon Hooker. Uh, Hendon Hooker pick. So I think Brian Branch is my favorite pick uh, from this class. All right. Next up, a steal. And for the sake of argument here, still, I'm going third round or later. 
because uh, again, I mean, you could be a steal in the first round, but it's not really a steal if you know you pick before everyone has a chance. So I'm going third round or later, later for steal. And it's a guy that I was a, I love this guy in college and Christian Delutum a little bit earlier in the program. Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee goes in the third round to the New York Giants. Um, I just love that pick a lot. And I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones believer, but what he did last year was nothing short of impressive. And I mean, the Giants also had a hell of a class too that we could maybe get into later in the program. Uh, but Hyatt going third round, 10, 10th pick in the third round. Um, I think he's got – he's very explosive. I mean, just look at the Alabama game last year. Five reception, receiving touchdowns on six catches uh, and helped Tennessee get their first one over Bama in over uh, 15 years, if I recall. Um, that was how long it had been. Um, so, yeah, the Giants got a huge game changer in the third round there. And I am excited to see what he can do at the next level. And if the Giants take that next step forward and, you know, either get the division title – or make it to the conference championship game because they were in the second round last year. Um, so, Dalton, who was your steal of the draft? Steal of the draft, third round or later. I'm actually going to go fourth round here. Um, uh, I mean, there's a couple different choices. I think I, I think Philly had plenty of compelling picks. Um, one of which, Keely Ringo. Um, I probably – I know because I have to pick one. I'm really intrigued with the um, Charlie Jones pick by Cincinnati uh, in the fourth round, 131. Because Charlie Jones, um, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the – he was one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten last year. And he played for Purdue. And so, I mean – to grab him in the fourth round, I thought for sure he'd land in New England. He definitely seemed like a New England wide receiver to me, um, being in the slot and all. Um, but I thought that that was a good skill for for Cincinnati, giving giving Joe Burrow another another wide receiver uh, to throw to. All right, Christian, you're still of the draft. Man, there's a lot. I really, you know. I love my offensive line, and I think this guy is an absolute mauler. And he's he actually had to go up against Jalen Carter, number ninth overall pick, at times when they played against Georgia. It's Ohio State center Luke Weipler, and he went to the Cleveland Browns. I think Luke is an amazing center. I think he is – you know, this center class is not, you know, over and beyond, oh, my gosh, he's balling everybody off the ball. But – I mean, to move a guy like Jalen Carter, to make a guy who is, you know, what I have said, one of the best players in this class that's not a quarterback, and Luke was handling him pretty well against Georgia in the college football playoff semifinal. Um, I believe it's the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Uh, that's why I didn't want to say it first. But when they played in the semifinal, Luke had a tough position because he had to go up against, you know, the top player in college football in Jalen Carter. So, I think Luke getting him in round six, pick 190 overall, the 13th pick in the sixth round, I think Cleveland absolutely stole Luke, and he's going to be a big rotation guy 
for Cleveland's offense, offensive line, it has to be rebuilding. All right. So on to the opposite um, of still, we'll go with a reach. Again, you don't necessarily have to go first round. I'm going first round. You can go first, second round here. Uh, for you, think was the biggest reach in this year's class. Um, and for me, I'm going Jameer Gibbs. He went 12th overall. And again, it's not a knock on Gibbs himself. He's a great running back. Was running back two in this year's class. Uh, and again, great Detroit traded back from 6 to 12 uh, to get Gibbs. Uh, I think you just could trade it back later. Or you had to pick 18, which you use on Jack Campbell. Another kind of a head-scratching pick, too, by Detroit. Um, but Gibbs at 12, when I just – I think you could have gone later. That's all I'm saying. And maybe the, the Lions have more intel from what other teams on the board are, were thinking. And maybe they thought, hey, he could go between uh, 13 through 17 before we get back on the clock here. Uh, and that's why they took him at 12. But, again, just taking a running back in the first round. I said, like, you know, B. John's obviously a really good running back. And again, I'm saying Gibbs can't be you know as explosive and very good. Um, but picking him at 12, I think that's where I line as one of the biggest reaches in this year's draft class. Uh, Dalton, who was your big reach in this year's draft? Big reach for me. Um, I would definitely go my own team, but I'm going to stay away from that uh, for now. Um Probably not at liberty to say. Just I don't even I don't even know. Like I guess well, I am at liberty, but like I not too. Um, uh, I guess like educated when it comes to these players, but I was kind of surprised that Will McDonald went it went as high as he did. I don't know. I guess some people there was some like. And I guess most people were expecting him to go later in the first round. Um, I so I guess that was kind of maybe maybe a little bit of a reach. Um, I think also just you know hype hype like the, the like the idea of hype is a beautiful thing. Um, you think about like. Uh, the Colts taking taking Anthony Richardson at four. I mean, we're not shocked, but also I think you're drafting a projection at that point, uh, that high up. Uh, and I'm sure with the first three picks before the Colts, you're, they're getting the, the, uh, the, those teams are getting sure things, not projections. All right, Christian, your biggest reach in this year's class. I guess we're going all first round here. To me, it's Jack Campbell out of Detroit, uh, out of Iowa going to Detroit. I think Jack Campbell is an amazing player. I think he's hard hitting. He was the leader of Iowa's defense, which had to be the leader uh, of the Iowa State football program last year. Because really, if that defense was just half as good, Iowa would probably be probably three and nine, honestly. Like they'd be one of the worst teams in college football. And the fact that you know, his his squad, I'm calling it Jack's squad, because when you're the inside linebacker, you are the quarterback to get everybody in position for your defense. Jack Campbell's that kind of guy. Do I think he should have been a first-round pick? No. I think this is a Dan Campbell kind of move where he wants a dog to be on his team. 
I honestly think if, if they kept Jamari Gibbs, because I understand it, am I the biggest fan of Jamari Gibbs going uh, 12th overall to Detroit? Not the biggest, but they could have drafted Brian Branch. They could have gotten one of their better tight end choices if they liked Probably not Michael because I've heard he's had some character issues. But, you know, if you wanted to go after Dalton instead of Sam LaPuerta, I think that'd be a fine choice there because you had, you lost TJ Hawkinson because you traded him to the uh, – traded to Minnesota, excuse me. You could have gotten Jack Campbell with the third – with the 34th pick in the class. I wouldn't have raised an eyebrow. I'm like, okay, you know, second-round guy, high second-round guy, Detroit – and I, and I think it's a good match. I'm just thinking you're drafting him way earlier than he should be. He was going to be on the board. There wasn't any inside linebacker drafted until Drew Sanders to Denver later on in the class, so, uh, later on in the third round. So you could have waited several more picks to get your guy in Jack Campbell. I just think that's a big reach because you're going to, you know, have a fit, you know, paying a lot more money to a guy who, yes, is very tough, very gritty, very Dan Campbell like, but is he the most athletic backer in this class? More athletic than Trenton Simpson? More athletic than Drew Sanders and others? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I respect the pick, but I still think it's a reach at 18. All right. On to the our recap of the draft overall who we thought had the best draft and who we thought you know not so good of a draft we'll put it that way um for me the best draft it's the rich getting richer here it is the defending nfc champion the philadelphia eagles uh i just thought that overall like their draft class and again the, the jokes were flying with the you know oh the philadelphia bulldogs because they kept taking guys from georgia which, hey, you have a chance to get guys from the great uh, Georgia Bulldogs team, you know, the best defense the last couple of years. And, like, last year they took a couple guys from Georgia in the draft. Uh, they kept it going this year. Um, they traded up one spot to get Jalen Carter. Um, and then in the, in the end of the first round, they're taking Nolan Smith, uh, another great Georgia player. Like, how are teams just doing this? You're letting these guys slip. To to the Eagles, uh, again Tyler Steen, a tackle from Bama. Again, don't know much about the guy, but he, he started at Bama. Like he obviously is really good there. Uh, City Brown, a safety from Illinois, who's been, is again third ranked safety in the class. You got him in the third round. As I say, that's a hit there. A guy that I am probably higher on than a lot of people, but also admittedly I'm kind of biased because he made like one really good play. Uh, it has Keely Ringo. He's still the national championship game two years ago. Um, like, again, he's on the field. Went out with knees to tie. They are throwing the ball because they're going to try to score and tie the game or take the lead. I forget what the deficit was at the time. And Keely Ringo still will pick six. So, mainly, I'm, like, very biased because I'm like, he made the biggest play in the biggest game, so he's got to be very good. And at one point was, you know, potentially CB1, a first-round pick. And I jokingly texted you guys on day three. I'm like, watch Keely Ringo go to the Eagles. And sure enough, Keely Ringo goes to the Eagles. Like, it was just – like, the jokes write themselves, but also you add in – you add three starters 
on the best team in the country last year that just blew out TC in the title game because, again, they were just mismatched everybody. I saw like Ohio State, bam, I like one other team maybe this past year. Um, Tanner McKee, not super sold on him, but it's a six-round pick, and you already had your quarterback in uh, Jalen Hurts. So you're not really expecting much of McKee. He's probably going to be a practice squad guy, I've had to guess, or the backup. I'm not sure the backup situation there. Um, but you're not counting on Tanner McKee being that big of a piece this upcoming year. And then Moro Ojomo, again, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know much about the guy. Dolan probably knows more about him than I do because he played at Texas. Um, but again, the Eagles just getting three Georgia guys solidified for me. They had the best draft class, in my opinion, this year. Um, Dolan, who do you think had the best draft class this year? Well, you already said Eagles, so I'm not going to say them. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um I, you know, drafting Broderick Jones in the first round, getting Joey Porter Jr. at 32. When uh, I thought he was going to get drafted in the first round, what a pick for them. And then, um, you know, they drafted Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin in the second round. Third round, they drafted Darnell Washington from Georgia, uh, mostly a blocking tight end. Uh, because they already had Brock Bowers, who's receiving. But, I mean, you're talking about an absolute tank. I mean, Darnell's like, what, 6'8"? I mean, sheesh. I mean, that's going to be a matchup nightmare. Or 6'7", 270, my apologies. Um, That's going to be a matchup nightmare. And I'd be licking my chops if I was Kenny Pickett, because, I mean, that's a a big target. Yeah. and, you know, people like to talk about all the time how, like, the tight end is the quarterback's best friend. Oh, yeah. Well, you got a six foot seven target that can also block really well in the run game as well. Um, so I really like that pick for uh, the Steelers. Um, to finish off, Nick Herbert from Wisconsin, outside linebacker in the fourth round. Corey Trice, junior, cornerback, seventh. I'm totally expecting this may just be um, – Bias towards uh, Tomlin in certain positions, like defense. Like, I'm totally expecting their cornerbacks to hit. Like, I'm actually – like, that's actually what I'm expecting for Pittsburgh. I'm expecting Mike Tomlin to coach him up really well. Um, and, like, their defense is going to be really, really good next season. Um, and to finish out the seventh round, 251, uh, they drafted Spencer Anderson, uh, offensive guard from Maryland. So yeah, I mean, I really like the Steelers draft. Uh, what we, what they, what they did, um, getting certain needs. I guess, I guess it could have been. I mean, if it, if it had to be improved, I would have thought that maybe they would have drafted a wide receiver. But because they had already signed a few in free agency, such as Allen Robinson, um, then I can understand uh, why why they drafted who they drafted. But good draft overall. All right, Christian, who do you think had the best draft this year? Even though we criticize them, I think talent-wise alone, Detroit. And we can argue about should they pick up Jamari Gibbs or Jack Campbell at the spot that they did. I still think talent-wise they had a really nice draft. They picked up the second-best running back and a lot of people's eyes best running back in Jamari Gibbs out of Alabama, who, in my opinion – like I said, in this running back class, it's 1A, 1B. You, if you want a you know hard-hitting running back that's going to run you know inside uh, in between the tackles, 
you've got to go for Bijan Robinson. If you want a guy who's going to help you in a passing game and have a receiving threat, you go after Jamari Gibbs. Jack Campbell is one of the best linebackers, truly true linebackers in Jack Campbell. You get a really nice tight end in Sam Raporta, who, again, I see him as third, but now understanding that Michael Ma- uh, Michael Mayer had a little had some character issues, which of course he went to the Raiders. But uh, you know, if that is the case, you pick up the next best tight end, and that is Sam Brian Branch. I've mentioned this. I think he is a big, you know, I don't wouldn't call him a steal if we're going third and later. But Brian Branch was sitting there for everyone to take, and no one took Brian. And I think he's going to be a valuable star for Detroit. I think Hendon Hooker is one of the best quarterback pros, one of the better quarterback prospects. Understandably, I under I, I completely get why he wasn't drafted in the first two rounds. He you know tore his ACL. He's had knee injuries in the past at Virginia Tech and at Tennessee. Who knows what happens again? Third round pick, you're still getting you know a quarterback that's not. You know, Detroit is not in a dire situation to get a quarterback. Jared Goff played really good late in the year after their terrible start in Detroit. Hendon Hooker is just, let's see what he can do. If he really impresses us and his knee's getting better, Jared Goff's not doing good, let's see what Hendon can do. Now, the later parts of the class, Broderick Martin, you know, late third-round pick out of Western Kentucky, you know, Pete – they say him he's the kind of a lower tier defensive tackle, but at this selection, they're just going to get a lot of depth and rotation with him. He's 6'5, 337, big dude. You know, not a lot of offensive linemen can probably push him around. So I see that valuable in him. They drafted Kobe Sorsdale, uh, Sorsdale, um, tackle out of William and Mary. Team captain, five-year starter. You know he wasn't. Uh, you know he wasn't at the combine. He didn't really test well at his pro day. But you know people think that leadership ability with Kobe is what. Like, Dan Campbell likes those leaders on his squad, so I understand why Kobe was a pick there for Detroit. And the last person they drafted, Antoine Green, at, you know, out of North Carolina, six-two, one ninety-nine wide receiver. You know, good hands. It just may not be that, you know, threat that you're going to see uh, or number one wide receiver you're going to see in Detroit. So I think Detroit talent-wise, especially their first five picks, are going to be tremendous for them, you know, in the future. The first four, obviously, are going to be a huge impact at the beginning of the season. Hendon Hooker, you know, cross my fingers. You know, Jared Goff doesn't do so well. Hendon steps in, leads the quarterback to the Super you know, leads Detroit to the Super Bowl. Hendon Hooker, my favorite guy. Ha ha. Oh, everybody. Um, but no, I think Detroit had a, a talent wise, had a really good class. Yeah, wow. Like, honestly, on the flip side, like, least favorite class, I mean, I, on, like, for me, again, I'm not like a, again, Chris Johnson, you're the expert here of the three of us. But, like, for me, least favorite, like, I'm going lines for least favorite because I just think that the first round where you're trying to get the most value. They just didn't utilize it properly. Again, I think Gibbs could be a fine player. Obviously, they trade with DeAndre Swift because they believe so much in Gibbs. Um, you know, to make Cook situation there. Again, Jack Campbell is probably a good linebacker, but I think the value is just not there at 18. 
Sam Laporta, I think there was plenty of good tight ends still on the board. And I think they reached for Laporta a little bit when you could have – I think Mayer was still on the board. He didn't go to a little bit later in the draft. Mayer was like the next pick, I believe. Okay, exactly. The very next pick. I'm like, you just – I think you misvalue that. Again, I do love Brian Branch, top safety in the class game of the second round. Um, and Hendon Hooker, I, get, I like him a lot more than some other QBs that were taken before him. So that's not necessarily a bad pick. And again, you hit on the late round picks. I'm not super high. I, I just don't know anything about those guys. But I think those, that the top three, while they might be able to utilize them because of, you know, you had a pressing need because you trade away TJ Hawkinson last year. And now you trade DeAndre Swift because you like it. I just didn't care for the draft that much from Detroit. Um, so that's, for me, my least favorite class was actually my favorite class. Uh, so funny how that works out there. Uh, Dawn, your least favorite draft class this year? Least favorite? Uh, that's that's a tough one. I, you know, I think some like some of these teams. I mean, they could have done a little bit better. Um, I don't know, probably probably the Colts. I mean, the Colts are just a tire fire. I mean, I don't I don't really. <laughs> I'm not gonna go through their picks, but. Um, I feel like the Colts or the Cardinals, um, you know, you feel like, ah, actually, you know what? No, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually go instead. I know I'm just, I'm just like all over the place. Um, let me go with the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Because. I'm going to take um, the reins, talk about Will Levis, so that you all don't have to, because I'm just such a great friend. Yeah, Tennessee Titans, I mean, their first-round pick was fine. Other than that, I just can't seem to get like, – like, what are they getting at? Tyshawn Spears from Tulane, um, great player, great player. Okay, I totally get that. Um, you have Derrick Henry, though. Will Levis, don't understand that pick. You drafted Malik Willis last year. You can get an undrafted free agent so you don't have to spend too much money on another quarterback that's going to be sitting right behind your quarterback that you drafted last year. So I don't understand that pick. And all the others ones, is just uh, – and for them having, what, six picks total? I don't know. They could have done probably a little bit better. Um, maybe not prioritize quarterback and drafted for need. Uh, I figure that maybe they could have used a cornerback. Joey Porter Jr. was available for them uh, in like the first round. Maybe you draft him. Maybe you draft or draft back or excuse me, trade up and in, back into the bottom of the first round and take somebody of need instead of waiting on Will Levis and number two. Um, yeah, so I just think they could have had a better draft overall. All right. Christian, your least favorite draft class this year. Um, I think we have to go back down to Texas and talk about them Cowboys. Um, I don't think Dallas had a tremendous class. I think Mozzie Smith was a he's a nice defensive tackle, but if one of your dire needs is to get offensive weapons, you need to go after an offensive weapon. And Mozzie Smith, I understand, like, he is a tough son of a gun. And 
you know, he's going to be a real anchor on that defensive front, you know, because they had they have their edge rushers, but they get beat up the middle. You know, Mozzie's gonna help that, but if you could have gotten Michael Meyer or to get a you know a wide receiver weapon or try and go after a better running back, even though the top two are off the board, you know, Mozzie Smith has your first overall pick, and then you go after you go to Michigan again and go after Lou Shoemaker. And again, after, you know, Tucker Craft, you know, after number five, you know, there's really five good tight ends in this class. It's just kind of pick your favorite. So, you know, I really haven't seen Luke, and he's obviously going to be the starting tight end. How well is he going to adjust? We'll find out. Um, DeMarvian Overshawn, I like him. I think he had a really good combine, and he's definitely shown that versatility that you need out of a player. But in the third round, you know, kind of like, okay, maybe. And then they're going after, you know, San Jose State, Vilma Fuhuku, uh, defensive end out of San Jose State. And not a lot of people know about him because he went to San Jose State. So he may be good. I have no idea. They go into Carolinas to get SM Richards and Jalen Brooks. Uh, they go after the tiniest player in the combine, and yes, I've shared it on my Instagram story. I think it's a it's an amazing story with uh, Deuce's father, Deuce Vaughn's father, who is a scouting assistant for the Dallas Cowboys, calls his own son and says, hey, do you want to come to work with me next week? It's a tremendous story, and 100% understand that. But they need a running back. They need a true running back. Deuce was very speedy at Kansas State. And had some nice plays against uh, Alabama in one of the New Year's Bowls. And, you know, I'm sorry to say it, Deuce isn't enough. I apologize. But you're not going to have a guy that's 5'5 who's going to dominate the league. I just do not see it. If it happens, great, I'm wrong. I'll be the first one to admit it. But, you know, the rumors of they may want to re-sign Zeke and all this kind of stuff, you know, it's going to be a really interesting Running back room, because you drafted a guy who is going to be a special teams guy. He's, you know, it's a great story, but he'll be a kicker turner. Like, he's not going to be, you know, valuable, you know, late in games. So, I just don't think Dallas had a strong class. They have, you know, Mozzie's not a bad player. DeMarvian's not a bad player. You know, none of these guys are bad players. They're drafted in the NFL and they're going to play. But... You know, overall, did you get the best value? You know, because, you know, Spencer wants talking about the value of Detroit's picks. You know, I just don't think that Detroit, or not Detroit, Dallas, got the best pieces for this class. All right, so that will conclude our uh, NFL draft recap for the 2023 NFL draft. Hope you enjoyed that segment, but we still got a lot more to go. Um Shifting gears to the NBA. Uh, earlier today, Joel Embiid named MVP of the league his first MVP honors. Uh, finishing second, you know, last year. I believe the year before was also second. He's had uh, some very close appearances. He's just been runner up because him and Joel, or him and uh, Nikola Jokic, excuse me, you know, they've been very dominant the last couple years. Um, and, you know, he was the NBA scoring champion based on points per game for the second straight year. Um, 
Egan, we haven't seen the All NBA teams this year, but he's been you know All Defense, All NBA second team the last couple of years because of the center only in one spot on those teams. Uh, but he's finally an MVP of the league. Uh, and again, tremendous for the guy. You know, he was born in Cameroon, played his college ball at Kansas. At one point, Mike was projected to go number one overall, but unfortunately, injuries uh, kind of forced me to go a couple picks later to three, which is not bad because that was during the Philadelphia 76ers process days um, when they were drafting guys and basically redshirting them, for lack of a better word. Uh, he missed two seasons entirely because of injury uh, to the point where, you know, at least me and I'm sure other people are probably thinking, like, is this guy even going to play in the NBA? Like, he's been just that banged up. And even his rookie year, he only played 31 games. Like, this guy, he's been battling injuries for a long time. And he, again, doesn't ever he, – he's always missing games because of injury. But, again, a lot of, lots of players are. Like, it's not just completely him. Uh, and to see him, you know, 30 points a game the last couple of years, including 33.1 this past season, leading the league, like I just said. And he's only 29 years old. Like, again, the future's bright. He's an MVP. Well-deserved this year. Um uh, had his best assist season with 4.2 assists, uh, 10.2 rebounds, so a double-double. Again, not a knock on Jokic. Like, Jokic was very deserving of it, too. It would have been Jokic just third, had he won it, but voters this year, and again, I haven't seen the tally. Like, I'm sure it was a very close vote. Um, like they were both going neck-and-neck neck for MVP this year, and um, yeah, I'm pulling up right now. Uh, so it ended up being 73 first place votes for Embiid, 15 for Joker. Um, so again, Embiid kind of separated himself late, but again, like that, like for a good portion of the season, it looked like Jokic was on his way to his third straight MVP. Um, so yeah, Embiid had the most votes, Jokic too. Uh, Andrew was shortly behind uh, uh, Joker for that. Um, so again, congratulations to Joel Embiid. Fantastic season. It sucks he's missing uh, some time in the playoffs right now with an injury. Uh, so, hope to see him back just from a player perspective and a talent perspective. Honestly, I'm a Celtics fan. I don't really want him to play that much uh, because that makes the Sixers a better team. But, again, you never want to see injuries uh, derail a guy's season like that, especially at this time of the season. Uh, Dolan, your thoughts and reaction to Joel Embiid being named MVP for the 2022-2023 season? Kudos, congratulations. Um, definitely uh, deserved it. He had a great year. I would have thought that Jokic was going to win it three years in a row just because he had been playing well. Um, you know, there's some key games in which um, Joel Embiid was not available for. Um, I'm sure you can say the same thing about Jokic. Uh, I, th- I think I find it interesting um, that, you know, there hasn't been a player to win three straight MVPs in quite a while, actually. Um, I think Larry's the only one to do that. Larry. Larry was the last person to do that. Larry Bird was the most recent guy to win three straight MVPs, 83, 84, and 85. And since then, it has been, it has been quote, two and out. I kid you not. I kid you not, guys. From Larry Bird's three-peat, we go, uh, we go. Uh, so Magic Johnson twice, Michael twice, going down the line, Duncan twice, Nash twice, James twice, LeBron twice again. 
Steph Curry twice, Giannis twice, and Nikola Jokic twice. So, just looking at it, we can tell that obviously the the voters are looking at presidents and saying, okay, since these MVP races are quite subjective and about fifty percent subjectivity, fifty percent statistics. It's been almost forty years, between thirty and forty years since a person has won it three times in a row. How about the player wins it twice? Let's start looking the. Let's start to look at other players. I mean, just and that's that's basically what they're telling us. I mean, that's essentially what they're telling us. Um. LeBron, LeBron, I kid you, LeBron James could have won MVP five years in a row, guys, from 08 to 12. Um, the uh, the only guy that was stuck in between James James's um, repeats uh, was Derrick Rose in 2010. I mean, that's that's crazy to think about, and. I mean, just looking at these, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but also, I mean, it's – yeah, Larry. Larry's the last guy to win it three times in a row, and I don't think it's ever going to happen again, um, which I, it can be a good thing or it can be a, a bad thing depending on who you are. Um, I, I think getting a different um, – Selecting a different player who has probably been most valuable uh, for their particular team, I think. I think that's good. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see who wins it next year if they keep up uh, the pace. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm I'm I'd be curious to see if Embiid repeat that he's in as Philadelphia's main star. Um, and then what happens the year after that? Um, yeah, very, 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 very interesting. All right. Christian, your thoughts on Joel and B taking home the MVP honors this year. I think it's, you know, it's awesome for Joel, um, you know, winning his first MVP. It's quite remarkable. Absolutely deserves it. Philadelphia, uh, is just going nuts right now. You know, Bryce Harper's coming back. Eagles. Are the new Georgia Bulldogs? You know, Philadelphia is one up against Boston. Sorry to say that, Spencer, but Philadelphia it's gonna be great right now for them. And for Joel, he's a tremendous player. All this stuff of just being uh, his injury riddled and injury prone and all that stuff. He's really made a mark during his time in Philly. Twenty nine years old, just beginning. Oh my god! Absolutely deserving. But I think Joel is a tremendous tremendous player, and he has really been the cornerstone of Philadelphia with all the stuff of James Harden's and the Ben Simmons and all the clothes for no cigar. You know, it's awesome for him, and let's see what he can do and how much he can lead this team uh, to try and get an NBA championship. All right. On to our NBA playoff recap here. And again, last week, I'm trying to remember like, what we talked about last week from when we recorded. Because we recorded about Wednesday. Um, I'm trying to think what series were over by then. I know Heat Bucks were recorded during game five. So we'll get there in a second. 
Uh, but Nuggets, I'll just recap the West pretty quickly. Nuggets take care of business in five games against the Timberwolves. Suns, they got took care of business in five. Um, I know these series, this one wasn't done. The Warriors-Kings went to seven. Um, again, that was just an overall fun series. Kings just blow out. Um, and again, sort of blow out. 19-point victory in game six on the road. Uh, you see up a do or die game seven, but then Steph goes off for 50 points in game seven on the road um, at the Kings. Again, I, I'm I'm happy with the Kings. I'm glad to see what happens with their future there. But the Warriors take care of business in seven, showing why they are the defending champs. Uh, the Grizzlies, they fall in six games after forcing a game five. Because uh, we were rec- when we recorded last, the Grizzlies had just finished off game five to force game six. Uh, in game six, unfortunately, the uh, if you're well, unfortunately, if you're a Lakers fan, 40 point obliteration um, of the Grizzlies ending their season there. Uh, Chris Yolchu, take it away. The Heat and the Bucks. Uh, game five was a wild game five. Um, so I'll just throw it to you. You can t- take the series away. I mean, I have no idea how the hell we did it. Um, I'm very honest about my teams. I'm very transparent, and I know, you know, bullcrap when I see one. Um, and the fact that this Miami Heat team with Jimmy Playoff, uh, excuse me, Jimmy Butler, um, he's been awesome. And he's really carrying this team and carrying the tone and the Heat culture that we should have gotten more players in the season because, daggum, if we did – with Jimmy Butler, with ben, with Bam Bam, man, we could have been something special. But I don't know how that, you know, we can all blame, or not all, but some can blame it on, oh, Giannis is hurt. Oh, Giannis, you know, we, don't ex- we didn't expect him to be injured. And I didn't expect him to be injured either. But after the mauling we had in game two, I was like, okay, we're just not good enough. Like, we're just we're just not that team. And we kept on fighting. Game three, Jimmy goes off yet, you know, Jimmy goes off yet again, and he's just the best player on the court. He is, He's just the guy who wants to prove to every single person that has doubted him and doubted the Heat that, hey, we are still here. And, you know, they – have just been going back and forth, back and forth all season, all series long, excuse me. And the overtime game was phenomenal. There were times when they had a 14-point lead. There were times we had a 10-point lead. It was just back and forth, back and forth. And the fact that, you know, our best guard, you know, quote-unquote guard, couldn't really show up in Max Struss. He only got eight points. Jimmy had to go off again for 42. Kevin Love has played his best game in God knows how long. Bam Bam did really well. Gabe Benson did well. And Tyler Hero, who, you know, he's not the shooter he was when he was a rookie and even last year, he's, you know, he's still a valuable guy, and we're playing this kind of ball without him. That's a shock. That is amazing. And everybody can talk about the whole – controversy of why do you not take a timeout and get your guys prepared? This is an overtime game. The season is on the line. And Miami just played it off, and we left Milwaukee as the champs, you know, in this uh, playoff series. So 
you know, we took game one of the New York Knicks. I don't know if we're going to discuss that. Uh, but we, we took game one, and right now it's, you know, a top ball game in New York in game two, and Jimmy Butler's not in this game. So, and their best players, Randall and Brunson, are in this game. So, it's really just about this culture. Spolstra is just, coach, you know, coach of the decade for the Miami Heat. Uh, he's really just making magic work over there. So, I, I'm shocked because I've always been this guy, and Spencer can allude me to it, where I'm like, okay, we're losing this series. We're going to lose this game. We're going to lose this game. And we end up winning or really coming back being nervous. So, it's a little sneaky trick that I'm saying we're going to lose, yet we're going to win. But I honestly did not expect us to win the series in the pot. So. Yeah, that was one of the bigger surprises we've seen. And, again, I, I'd be remiss if I did mention that uh, it did come out after the series that Mike Boonehoser, one of his brothers, passed away shortly before game four in a car accident. Uh, again, uh, so I don't know where uh, Boonehoser's mind space was. Uh, from that point on the series, but so obviously, you know, again, I can't imagine coaching the day you find out that your brother passed away. Um, but again, you can also criticize some of the, like Chris was saying, the timeout usages or lack thereof, um, to the point where, again, we're all human. And again, I, it was very critical in the moment. I'm like, like I get this guy's a championship, but like some of that is like basic stuff. Like you might have to consider firing this guy. I mean, we saw the the Raptors do it a few years ago. They had the one seed. They lose in the second round, and they fire Dwayne Casey, promote Nick Nurse, and they win the championship next year. Uh, but Bud has that title. So, um, and again, I don't think that we'll see a decision anytime soon just because you got to give the guy time to grieve. And ultimately, I think he probably will be back for next year. But um, that's just something that just weighs on me is, like, that was a fireball offense, right? What happened at the end of that game? Um but anyway, Knicks beat the Cavs. We discussed that, and uh, they won in five. Sixer sweep. The Celtics just had to make everything complicated um, to the point where I'm literally watching the, the game on my laptop while also watching the NFL draft. Uh, and game six got way too close for me to enjoy it. Um, but Boston, at least the Celtics, took game six into that series, uh, advanced to the second round. So... To the second round, and again, we'll do a round robin. I know Dalton, we didn't get a chance to get your thoughts on some series uh, there. But I just kind of want to briefly recap the first round because um, that's what, you know, we're in the second round now. Also, a quick update on our standings there. Uh, Dalton and Christian tied at nine right now. I am two games back with seven. Bet points double in the second round. So, still anyone's ball game there. And we'll start out west with the Nuggets and the Suns. Denver takes a two-game-to-nothing lead in that series. And Chris Paul has been ruled out earlier today, announced we'll miss the week. So games three through five with a groin injury. So, uh, again, sucks for Chris Paul. that um, You're down 2 nothing, and then you're, you know. Again, Denver Booker's probably the star player and Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant, I mean, look at the score. The points per game. Like, Durant is your star player. Booker's probably your team leader because he's been there longer, and CP's that veteran presence that you are going to be sadly missing here. Um, but Denver's up 2 nothing, and with CP being injured, like, Durant and Booker have to show a whole lot of the next couple games. You're back at Phoenix. You have the home crowd in front of you. Um, like, I think they will – I yeah, I think they'll, they'll be fine at home. Like, the last three games are going to be where it gets – 
uh, tricky depending on when CP, if he does come back. Um, but like if you're Denver, you take a game on the road and you are in good, you're in good hands there. Um, going forward the remainder of that series, if you just still one game on the road. Uh, Dolan, I'll go to you next. Your thoughts on the Nuggets Sun series so far? Yeah. Um, the Nuggets are by far the better team. And I'm not sure what I was thinking with my prediction, but um, yeah, this series is probably over. Like, is this just, especially with the Chris Paul injury, I just don't think that they're just going to be able to bounce back, they being the Suns. I think, uh, first of all, who the hell can stop Jokic? I mean, nobody. The answer is nobody. Okay, that's the answer. Um, there's no, there's no other options to this. It was, it was, a, it was a short answer question, and uh, the answer was nobody. Nobody can stop Jokic. Um, DeAndre Aiden can't rebound. Uh, he's, you know, Jokic is getting like 17, 18 rebounds. Uh, he's getting the board whenever he's basically getting the ball whenever he wants. Um, and DeAndre Aiden is not able to. I don't know, be physical enough uh, and get a lot of rebounds um, despite him being probably just as tall as Jokic. Um, So I'm sure that's got to be frustrating for Phoenix Suns fans where you've got a center who, you know, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant got more rebounds, and he's not playing center position. Um, Think about that for a minute. Kevin Durant has the most rebounds. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just think, uh, Phoenix, they're, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier in the season when they made the trade for Durant, they lost their entire bench and it is rearing its ugly head right back at them right now in this series as they go down two to zero, um, on the, on the, con- on the contraire, um, Denver has a really good bench, and they are making use of all of their good players down there. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't shock Denver just completely brings out the brooms, uh, takes the brooms to Phoenix, and uh, sweeps them um, to move on to the conference finals. It would not would not blow me away at all. All right, uh, Christian, your thoughts on the Nuggets and the uh, Sun series? Uh, it's disappointing, really. I mean, I thought you know I had Phoenix as you know odds-on favorite to win the West, and I really thought that Phoenix would have a really good, um, you know, a really good you know three-headed monster with Chris Paul, Durant, and Booker, and it's really not come to show with that. Chris Paul is going to be out the next several games. Uh, what I've seen games three to five. And, I mean, that's going to stink. And maybe maybe more people can have their shots, you know, because in game one alone, 49 shots of the – 49 of the 84 shots were by the big three. So it's given more people the opportunity to, you know, to try and win this game for Phoenix and win this series. But after a terrible start in game one, you know, very sloppy game two, and Chris Paul being injured is not uh, the best of it. So you have Denver who they are hungry. They are really hungry to get a win in, you know, to get the championship ring. And Jokic is absolutely incredible. He's been doing amazing in Denver. 
And I honestly think that Denver is just a different beast. Um, whoever's going to win, whoever's going to be their opponent, I, I'm going to have to say they're the odds-on favorite to win this game. Denver is just the hottest right now in the West, dominating fashion. These three players in Devin Paul and Durant, they're not slouches. And Denver is handling their business. So Denver is just on a different level. And, you know, like I mentioned, I think Denver's going to win this pretty handily in six. And they're just going to go on from here. All right. On to the next Western Conference series. One that has not actually started yet. Um, so Warriors-Lakers. Uh, again, this is a fascinating thing with the NBA playoffs. Each seed line has one per, uh, one seed made it. You have one, like the one seed being the Nuggets, two Celtics, three 76ers, uh, four being the Suns, five seed Knicks, six Warriors, seven Lakers, and the eight seeded Heat uh, make it there. So, okay, Warriors-Lakers has not yet tipped off. Uh, by the, Again, when we're recording, by the time this is released, uh, game one will have been final, but so we'll just push that off till next week. Uh, recapping that, but Heat Knicks. Uh, let's go there next. Actually, you know, let's let's skip that because that game is currently in progress. Game two. Um, sorry about that. Again, just on the fly. Celtics and Sixers. Game one went to Philly. Harden went off for forty-five points. Um, in game one, the Sixers still in Boston. Uh, one nineteen to one fifteen. Again, it's just Boston does these stupid things where they make it a lot harder on themselves than it needs to be. Like, it, we could have easily won the game. Like, Tatum has 39 points, uh, and Brown's always really good. Uh, but, like, at the end of the day, game, there's a huge mistake back on Brogdon as the shot clock is winding down, uh, just throws the ball away, uh, and Maxi gets it as the shot clock expires, which, again, it's a live ball turnover. It's not a shot clock violation because it was in his hands when it hit, and you just don't get back on defense. You're like, oh, just go ahead. Like, I would have rather you just take the shot clock violation in your hand or jack up a horrible shot. Or at least it looks like you're trying instead of throwing it away from the basket and letting Tyrese Maxey, who, again, Maxey had a hell of a game, too. Um, you know, he finished with, even though he, he finished with 26 points, like, he was really good. And it was key for Harden. You know, Harden had the 45, including the, uh, the dagger late in the game. Um, but Foster, you gotta stop shooting yourself in the foot. Like it's ridiculous how many times, like, like you should have finished the Hawks up in five, but you didn't. And now you're down one game to none, and you don't even have home court left. Like you just take game two, uh, go to Philly, take a game, get it back to two two potentially, and then like finish it off. Like this, like you're gonna keep shooting yourself in the foot like you did last year. Uh, and like last year they were just tired by the time the falls rolled around because they had played two game sevens that were high intensity. Uh, matchups there, but again, I still think Boston will win the series. There, um, I yeah, I said five before the series started. I'm not gonna necessarily waver from that because I think they could still win four straight, even when Joel comes back. But that was the more frustrating part was Joel didn't play, and you just let them just win in your building. Like that was annoying to me. Um, but Dolan to you next. Your one of Philly and Boston. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I was um it got late in the game and I think 
I was thinking, what am I watching? I was like, you mentioned that part uh, where the the shot clock, they turn the ball over. Uh, Maxi goes down, dunks it. How about how about the possession after that? You want to talk about that offensive possession? Oh my god, dude. I'm not sure what was going through your mind, but I was thinking, is anybody going to shoot the ball? Who Who's the go-to guy? Who's the go-to guy? Dude, I don't even think, like, I, dude, I, I am not even sure that they have a designated go-to shooter in the crunch time. I'm, I'm like, being serious. Like, I was watching that go and I was like, this team is so selfless that nobody wants to shoot the ball when the time is running down. Nobody. Nobody. You know, take it upon yourself to put some points on the board. Uh, and how about the defense? The defense, dude, the defense has got to be better. Harden, 45 points. Uh, Spence, I'm just going to bang on your team. I know. I picked them in four. But I'm just gonna bang on your team for a minute. Um, the, the defensive switches, I freaking hate them so much. The fact that the the players nowadays think that switching, especially from guard to forward, like from let's just say, you know, from Derek White to Horford. That switch when Derek White, for example, is guarding Harden, and they and they switch to where now Horford is guarding Harden. That is absolutely ridiculous. I freaking hate that switch because it gives the guard so much advantage. I've seen it time and time and time again. You saw it when he made that three to go ahead. You saw it first. You saw it on that TV screen, Spence. Horford did not have a chance. He did not have a chance, and I can't stand it when teams switch like that and they're like oh we have the we have the defense now this is it we are we have we have all the leverage no you don't no you don't no you don't and I don't know how long it's going to take until they realize that that just doing that shoots them in the foot um I don't know Boston's got to figure it out I mean you can't you can't you can't lose to a Philadelphia 76ers team who doesn't have their best player at home. You can't do that. I mean that's just if you're supposed to be the favorites to win the national to to win the to win the NBA title, you cannot do that. I mean that's that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um I thought that it was a good idea for me to pick them in four, but apparently not. Uh I just – I don't know, dude. Uh, they, they've got to make some adjustments for game two. I mean, they if they want to stand a chance to get back to the finals, they can't be – that game one was a disappointment, a disappointment, massive disappointment. And I'm sorry that you actually had to watch that. I mean, I can only imagine being in, in the garden – Watching that in person and seeing all that go down, I would. If I was a, Celt- a massive Celtics fan, I would be pissed off. Uh, so I'm sorry, Spence, but yeah, they got to make massive adjustments for for game two and uh, figure some stuff out. And 
just uh yeah so i'm 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 pretty much done all right uh christian your thoughts celtics and sixers game one very shocking um the fact that Philadelphia was out without the reigning MVP, uh, Boston still found a way to screw up. So, I mean, awesome for James Harden. You know, obviously, a lot of people, you know, they understand he can be a one. He was the one in Houston and in different scenarios. A lot of people thought he was going to be the one. And last night, he showed he was number one. And James Harden dropping 40 is quite amazing for Philadelphia because they thought they were dead in the water, including myself. I thought Philadelphia is not going to be the same team without Joel Embiid, and I got proved wrong where it may be more of a competition. So I honestly do think that um, we are going to see, you know, Boston bounce back a little bit. It may take longer, but I still see – Boston winning the series, even though it is much tougher now than what we expected. On to the final series of the second round here. Knicks and the Heat. And in game one, the Heat, bit of a stunner there. Upsetting the Knicks in game one, 108-101. Jimmy Butler went off uh, in that game, as always. He is not playing game two, but Jimmy Butler game one, very good game. Overall, great performers by the Heat to steal a game on the road, take back home court. Um, just And Gabe Vincent, he has some big uh, clutch shots too um, in that game as well. Uh, overall, just a great performance from Miami to take the game. And it would not surprise me. Like, I actually picked the Heat to win the series. Uh, I'm just not going to count out Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. Uh, as much as, like, you know, excuse Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson and company. Uh, I just like Jimmy Butler and that revenge factor a little bit with uh, Tom Thibodeau, his former coach, both in Chicago and in um, Minnesota. So I just think that this, that revenge factor for Jimmy Butler, I think they're going to end up actually taking the series there. Uh, but Christian, your reaction to the Heat take, I know you said a little bit earlier, but if you, if you want to reiterate, feel free. The Heat taking game one against the Knicks. Again, it was just a shock to me that we're doing this well. Um, I thought because we kind of got into the Bucks' head and they had doubts that was going on internally. And as you mentioned, um, you know, the car accident where, you know, not a member of the team, but, a, you know, a brother of, the, of a, a Budenhoser, he, you know, losing his brother, it's tough. You know, so maybe, you know, men- mentally Milwaukee was not there. But New York, they got a fire under them. I mentioned this, and Dalton uh, kind of hit me up on it, is I mentioned uh, Anthony Richardson is the, is the New York Knicks for the NFL draft. Watch Anthony Richardson just pop now. Um, but New York is a tough team. So I think New York is, you know, I thought New York was going to be a serious contender, and they were going to handle Miami – uh, with much better ease, and we winning us winning by seven. When again, Jimmy Butler is the best player on the court, and Bam wasn't tremendous, but he was fine. Gabe Benson did fine. So, and, and we were lucky with the Knicks not being tremendous bench wise. You know, they only had three players that came off the bench, 
and it really didn't help them, you know, too well. So Miami taking game one was a shock to me. And I was like, oh, gosh, are we doing this again? I mean, as the game right now that I'm looking at, three minutes left in the game, you know, we're down by three. So something could happen. But the fact that Jimmy Butler, our best player, hands down, is not on the court and yet we're doing this says a lot about the team itself. So uh, I'm just shocked that Miami is just still in this race and we could be in the Eastern Conference Finals, whoever against Boston or Philadelphia. So I'm proud of the team no matter what. And the fact that we're competing is more than I can say. All right. Dolan, your thoughts on uh, Heat taking game one against the Knicks? Uh, <laughs> I had to think about the question for a minute. Um, taking game one, I mean, kudos. I mean, that is like, you know, you already, um, I mean, you're already doing better than Cleveland, I think. You know, taking one in New York, I think that's, you know, that's good for the Heat, especially coming off, you know, that Bucks series. I mean, I, I think if you're Miami, I think you got to win you got to win game 2 especially without you know I mean you said it Christian I don't I don't want to I don't want to reiterate what you've already mentioned basically I mean you know without Jimmy Butler I mean if you're the heat you got to win this game I feel like going up 2-0 going back to Miami um hopefully Jimmy Butler goes comes back for that game um but I mean that would be huge momentum um uh for for the heat and for the Knicks you know Guys, I, you know, I'm gonna be completely honest. Like I picked them, um, and I don't know. I just ride or die here with my selection, um, and you know, hopefully, you know, I, but I hope that you know the Knicks pull it out. But you know, if Miami pulls out this series, then um, that'd be that'd be that'd be good too. I think. I mean, I think I, I think I'd get. Uh, a little bit of uh, pleasure I've seen an eight seed advance to the conference finals. Like to know the statistics on when the last time an eight seed made it. Um, I mean, that'd be pretty awesome to see uh, for sure. I mean, I think either way with this, with this matchup, with this series, I think we both can, I think all three of us can agree that whoever wins this series, I mean, you have, you have to feel pretty good about, you know, cheering them on and being in their corner. I mean, except for Spence maybe, but, you know, I think Christian and I, you know, I, I, you know, I think this series in particular is incredibly intriguing. Um, and uh, I'm just, I think I'm, I think I'm interested to see, you know, the Eastern Conference, how it shapes out. Because, I mean, the, you notice, like, besides Miami, these are all, like, specifically Northeastern teams. Uh well, three are in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, the, the, I mean that's conference. So, well, no, but I'm saying is there are other Eastern Conference teams that are not in the specific Northeast location. Um, so, I think you know that's like interesting how close in proximity they are, with the exclusion of Miami, um, which can make for some good home court advantages and some good animosity, which um, uh, I think turns back the clock just a little bit. 
uh, with the playoff series that um, have had that, that, you know, we've had in the past for sure. Yeah. So uh, to your point, the only eight seed to ever win a second round series is the, uh, the 1999 New York Knicks. They advanced all the way to the NBA finals, actually falling to the heat. Although there's a bit of a caveat there. The 99 season was shortened to 50 games. So it wasn't like an eight seed in an 82 game season where there's like a lot of separation there. But nonetheless, the New York Knicks were an eight seed in 99 and advanced all the way to the conference to the NBA finals. Uh, and their head coach was actually Jeff Van Gundy at the time. Um, so there's your little known fact of the day. On to the NHL playoffs, which I will recap. Out west, you had the Kraken upsetting the defending cup champions in the uh, Colorado Avalanche in seven, in a game seven on the Avalanche's home ice there. Uh, Kraken, their second year of existence, second year of existence, making it to the second round. Uh, the Dallas Stars take uh, the Timberwolves, or the Wild, excuse me, Minnesota. Wow. Uh, the Wild take them down six games. Uh, going to the other side of the Western Conference, Vegas takes down Winnipeg four games to one. And Edmonton takes on the LA Kings 4-2. Out in the Eastern Conference, you had the New Jersey Devils in a game seven. Uh, they defeat the New York Rangers um, there. They won that one 4 nothing. The Hurricane take down the Islanders 4-2. The Maple Leafs win their first playoff series in 19 years to defeat. They defeat the three-time uh, Stanley Cup participant, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They take them down 6 and last and certainly least, my least favorite uh, anecdote of the day, the Boston Bruins up three games to one. The Bruins team had the best record of all time, most points in NHL history. Like, this was the team that, like, they could have set history if they would have won the title. They could have gone down as potentially the greatest team ever in NHL history, if you want to argue that. And then they just blow the series. Like, you had a chance in game five to win it. You go to overtime, and I believe that was uh, Kachuk that hit the game winner in overtime in that game. You had game six, so you lose 7-5, and Olmark was terrible that game. Of course, hockey comes down, that everyone's injured after the season ends. And again, I think there was some truth to that. Olmark just looked horrible in game six. So game seven, you decide to go with, Jeremy Swayman, who's really good, but has not played much this season, uh, the playoff run, got in at the end of, I believe, game four because of Omar getting ejected for fighting uh, Matt Kachuk because Kachuk's a punk. Uh, but then you get, you are down 2 nothing in game seven on your home ice. Um, and then you score three unanswered goals. And I'm feeling really good about the Bruins. They have the lead. There's a minute to go. When the uh, the Florida Panthers, they tied the game up with a minute to go. Uh, and then they force overtime. And then I think Boston, they, they come out, they win the faceoff, and they go down to the point where I think they might score here like 10 seconds into overtime and end the season. But then Verhage decided a few minutes later to end it, and the Florida Panthers pull off one of the greatest upsets in NHL history, just in terms of the stakes. Game seven on the road against the team that had the best record, uh, the most wins, the most points in NHL history, 43-point uh, separation, and the Panthers pull up. I'm just – I was stunned, uh, and I hate it. Like, I just – I stood in there in disbelief 
that this somehow happened. And again, it's just is what it is. Um, like I wish it had gone differently, obviously. Uh, and then today, make matters worse, Florida, they beat Toronto four to two. So now they've won four straight playoff games, threw up one nothing on Toronto. Um, I can't, gosh, I just cannot stand Florida at this point just because of the freshness of them just eliminating my team. Like, it's not their fault. Like, I get anyone that's not a Boston Bruce fan is probably happy to see the biggest upset here happen because I always root for upsets. Like, I, I, on the flip side, I was happy with Miami. They took down the Bucks because I, I'm a Celtics fan. I want the Bucks to lose um, there. So, I, I get I get the flip side of it. I'm just, I was just done with that. And then right now, Dallas up one nothing on Seattle. Um, in that series, game one on the way. Dalton, I'll go to you next. The world of racing. Uh, please tell me you're not as upset as I am with what's going on in racing. Yeah, dude. So like, just absolutely. Um, uh, can't wait to give you the updates on what is going on. Um, uh, not a shocker. Um. Red Bull won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this past weekend. Uh, definitely not a shocker. If you realize that I've been telling you on the, this podcast for the past, I don't know, probably about three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Um, Max Verstappen didn't win. It was a Sergio Perez, his teammate. So I kid you not, since this F1 calendar has started, it has gone Verstappen Perez, Verstappen Perez. So Miami... What's it going to be? It's got to be Verstappen. Verstappen has got to win this race based off of what we've had uh, for the past four four races now. Um, I know. I think, you know, Perez won last year's Baku um, City Circuit race, which is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, good, good for him. Good for them. Good for Red Bull. They're just beating the crap out of everybody. Um, yeah, that's fine. Um, Max Verstappen's got 93 points. Uh, Sergio Perez has got 87 points. Fernando Alonso with 60. Yeah, it's not really, it's not really a actual, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Race. Uh, it's not, yeah, literally pun intended. Um, it's not a uh, competition at this point. It's where, I mean, I, guys, we are not even, we are not even 40% into this season and it feels like it's over already. Um, I think Red Bull is going to take the constructor championship again. Um, and individual, Verstappen certainly has a shot. His teammate certainly has a shot. Perez. Um, yeah, we'll see how that. But uh, yeah, the next one is going to be in Miami. Uh, it'd be a fun time if you live in Miami. Um, if you don't, well, then honestly, I don't even know what to tell you. I buy some tickets, go down to Miami, have a blast. In Miami, um, the Heat are playing in the playoffs in Miami. Oh my gosh! And then you have 
freaking the Formula One race. Huh. Dude, I mean, you want to talk about absolute just what's to do. I mean, you got plenty of stuff to do in terms of sporting events. Um, yeah, the race, the race, uh, crypto.com, Miami Grand Prix, because everything is crypto.com apparently, uh, including the, uh, the Los Angeles, uh, stadium or, or you know, the, uh, the, I'm blanking on the word, the Los Angeles arena. Um, yeah, Miami International Autodrome, where it's going to be at May 7th, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. So if you're not doing anything at 3.30 Eastern on May 7th, tune in to the Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix and watch as Max Verstappen or Sergio Perez pull out the dub by at least 12 lengths. Um, by lengths, I mean, I mean actual you know Formula One car lengths. Um, but I'm sure you all knew that already. Uh, moving on, because I don't want to give the actual constructor standings, as I've already alluded to. Um, Red Bull is far and away in the lead. Uh, I'm going to uh, just not give those right now. Um, yeah, this past race for NASCAR, I'm just going to switch to NASCAR. Um this past race was uh, Dover, Dover, Delaware, uh, Double D, um, Dover International Speedway uh, this past Sunday, April 30th, uh, which actually got moved to Monday because of the rain delay. Um, and I'll look at that the next just one. Um, but um, sticking to, that, to NASCAR so I don't get too distracted. Um, yeah, it got moved to Monday because of the rain delay. So, no need to fear. NASCAR still keeps going. Um, so, uh, yeah, Martin Truex Jr. pulled out the dub. That was his first race in 54. 54. This man had raced 54 times before winning uh, again. So, I mean, that is... That that is a substantial amount of races uh, to not win, uh, and then pull this one out. Pretty insane. Um, I don't think we count the clash of the Coliseum. Um, and it's kind of like the preseason of NASCAR. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's insane to think about. Um, I think you know just. Looking at it, that, I mean, I think based on what actually was happening this past, this past weekend, I think, you know, there's got to be some, some credit to NASCAR for getting it done. Um, so I know with, you know, there's other, there's other sports, you know, you put them on rain delay, it's, you know, weather, you know, baseball does this all the time. Um. But with racing, I don't know. It seems like there's there would be something a little bit different um, in terms of preparation, and I don't know what those specifics are. But it would be interesting to see how that how a rain delay can affect a race, um, and you know, with with these with these stock cars and you know everything that's going into. Uh, being prepared to go 150, 160 miles per hour 
uh, into tight turns, you know, three, four wide. I'm talking about three stock cars, four wide stock cars. I mean, just, you know, all out with these, you know, these barriers and these walls surrounding. That'd be interesting to see. Um, but, you know, for the results of Dope, like I said, finishing in first. Ross Chastain finishing in second. Uh, I will say he did have a very suspect move earlier in the race. Uh, totally knocking out. Uh, let me get his name. Uh, Brennan Poole in the 15 earlier. He just completely knocked him out. For some reason, Ross just did not have any regard. He was just riding Poole's bumper. Um, gave him a little love tap. And then Poole spun out. His back hit the wall. And then Kyle Larson, who was having a good race up until that point, he was he was getting faster by each lap. Um, and there was, you know, there was some serious conversation on the air with the between the color commentators that you know potentially Kyle Larson could pull this one out uh pending any any sort of accident and wouldn't you know it Kyle Larson comes up right behind him as soon as pull hits that wall Kyle Larson hits pull and Kyle Larson's done for the day uh 359 laps uh did Kyle Larson complete um he finished 32nd um yeah, you know, there were some people that didn't finish. Uh, I think, you know, I think we got to go to, I think there's only, there was only, there was only 12 guys that finished the f- complete 400 laps. Everybody else was 399 and below, obviously. Um, I think 390 and above, you're looking at 28 guys only finished uh, 390 laps or above. So, uh, just for reference, there were 36 total racers. So, um, very interesting there. Um, going back up to the top, Ryan Bellaney finishing third, William Byron finishing fourth. Um, he led the most three laps led. Uh, I thought for sure he was going to take it. Uh, he won uh, stage one. So, um, he was, you know, doing good there at the very beginning for sure. Denny Hamlin, uh, finishing out the top five. So looking at the manufacturer. Only one, only two, uh, two Toyotas, two Chevrolets, um, in the top five that finished outside of the top five. Other notables, such as, um, let's just go with my favorite driver, Kyle Busch, finishing 20, 21st. Not great, but you know, I think with cautions, wrecks, uh, pit stops, I mean, some things, you know, it's, it's almost like a stroke of luck and talent. Uh, that combines with, um, you know, being able to finish uh, very well with these um, with these NASCAR races. Um, Josh Berry taking over for Alex Bowman in the 48, finishing in the top 10, uh, top 10. Um, so good for him. Chase Elliott, um, you know, back from, you know, his broken leg. He missed a few races. Um, he finished 11th. So. Good to see him back. Um, and uh, last year's champ, Joey Logano, was not able to finish the race either as he uh, spun out. But, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and go to uh, the schedule, and then I'll give you the uh, standings. So this upcoming weekend, May 7th, um, 
We're going to Kansas. Um, yep, because Kansas is a great place to be. Um, let me see where exactly in Kansas. Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City, Kansas. Woohoo. Um, I need more. What's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiasm when it comes to these racing segments. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take some energy drinks. Monster, you know, sponsored by Rowdy. Um, we should get some sponsorships. Hopefully, you know, maybe maybe later, maybe sooner than later. Uh, anyway, so NASCAR Cup Series at Kansas, Kansas Speedway in Kansas City, Kansas. I'm gonna see how many times I can say Kansas within a five minute span. Um, yeah. Three o'clock Eastern on FS1, not Fox, but FS1 because there is a difference. Um, so yeah, if you're not doing anything at three o'clock, uh, thirty minutes before the F1 race starts on ABC, maybe maybe you know maybe my recommendation would be as leader of this, um, as the uh, the guy for for this racing segment, tune in to the NASCAR Cup Series at Kansas and Kansas City, Kansas at the Kansas Speedway. Um, it should be fun. It should be fun. Um, with these races, like I said, you never know, uh, which is, you know, kind of, kind of the thing that's really great about watching these races. I mean, you never, you literally never know who's going to win and, uh, it can, it can be pretty fun, I think. Um, so just let me, uh, that's, that's pretty much it for the stand for the schedule. Let's go ahead and go to the standings real quick. Ross Chastain is in first. The Watermelon Man with 370 points. Christopher Bell, um, by far the best Toyota driver. Um, you didn't hear that from me. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got 367 points. Uh, last full season uh, driving the NASCAR, driving, driving the stock car. You know, the Ford number four. Uh, he's in third place. So, you know, I think you I think you, I think you got a quiet be in Kevin's corner. I mean, this is his last full season. I mean, you want him to, you know, completely go out with a bang uh, and finish, um, you know, great. Even, even, you know, potentially win, win the, win the, win the championship. Um, so he's got 332 points. Martin Truex Jr. After his win uh, at Dover this past weekend, he is in fourth place with 330 points. Ryan Bellini uh, with 326. Other notables, my personal favorite, Kyle Busch is in eighth with 306. Uh, 13th with 274. Um, yeah, no, that's kind of that's kind of what we're looking. At. Um, I did just get a I I did just get a message from a a, a, a source. Uh, someone that I know said, quote, say Kansas again. So uh, you tune in. Watch NASCAR Cup Series at Kansas, at uh, the Kansas and, uh, Speedway in Kansas at uh, 3 o'clock Easter. That's one. Uh, I especially had a really good time with this NASCAR with this racing segment this week. All right. Thanks for that, Dalton. Uh, real really uh, not busy. Uh, so, so that's, yeah. oh, okay. that's, that's all I got. So thanks for, oh, okay. yeah, thanks thanks for that, Dalton. 
Uh, real quick, Christian. Uh, Heat just went final. Uh, sadly dropping game two. So any uh immediate instant reaction thoughts to uh game two? The fact that we were this close, um, and only losing by six, I'm not gonna be too heartbroken over it. Uh, again, I've said this before. How if Miami made Milwaukee a series, if it was you know a tough series and Milwaukee still won, I would have been proud. You know, the fact that we're in the Eastern Conference semifinals, that Jimmy Butler's not on the court, yet we're in a very tight game in the playoffs, I'm proud of the guys. So I think Miami is really going above and beyond their ceiling. So it it sucks losing to the Knicks, but like I said, Miami's going to have a cap sometime, somewhere, and I think this may be it. Uh, Hopefully Jimmy can be back for game three and kind of even things out in Miami. But right now, all you can say is just congrats to the Knicks, and Miami's just doing a tremendous job without the best player on the court. All right. So, yeah, that's going to conclude our episode tonight. A little bit of instant reaction there at the very end. Uh, yeah, this has been a fun episode. Obviously, start with the draft, recapping uh, what went on there. And, again, we will continue next week with some more NBA playoff updates. Maybe some coaching hires if there is any coaching hires uh, and then whatever else is going on in the world of sports. So, again, feel free. Like, if you're listening to this and you made it this far to the end, give us a follow if you're not already doing so, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, feedback, if you so choose, always encourage. Uh, and as always, share with friends and family if you really want to as well. And I am Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Ernst. So, again, thanks for listening to Out of Bounds. Enjoy the rest of your day.